So the the um, primary meditation that I'll be teaching will be Anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing in and breathing out. As uh, this is a kind of main mainstream um, presentation of the Buddha for meditation, and uh, a process that he considered to be um, an adequate and uh, snag-free um, approach to awakening. He tried teaching um, loathsomeness of the body, but uh, people got took, got the wrong attitude with that and started killing themselves. So he did a retake on on his meditation teaching. I must admit that uh, for a meditation teacher, that takes quite a lot of doing to uh, lose 60 disciples in one day and think, ah, maybe I need to um, rethink rather than... (laughs) I think if I lost 60 disciples in one day, I'd feel a little more shocked than that. Uh, So he taught mindfulness of breathing. Um, this you can't really do yourself a lot of harm. <clears throat> and he said this is a pleasant abiding. Uh, he called it an ambrosial abiding. Mm. Place of, of ease and contentment. Free from stress and strain. Mm. Just breathing in, just breathing out. Surprisingly enough, people don't always find it that way. <laughs> just breathing in, just breathing out. The process of, of uh, being or mindfulness of breathing um, illustrates why we find it difficult, uh, illustrates where the hindrances and snags lie, and also can give us um, guidelines on what we need to enhance in order to um, facilitate the process. Essentially, mindfulness of breathing involves a certain amount of thoughtfulness, but quite a, uh, for most of us, a radical deconstruction of thoughtfulness. That is a thoughtfulness that is no, um, is calm, is steady, is very simple. Just one knows one is breathing in, one knows one is breathing out. Those are are put in quote marks, so there's a sense of, hmm, breathing in, Mm, breathing out. (laughs) You know, so even if one isn't actually verbalizing, there's still that that particular faculty, that faculty through which we think is engaged. Yeah? A knowingness, we might say, it's called pajanati, which means one... One fully understands, one is, um, you know, that particular faculty through which we think and speak, the ability to conceive and define and recognize, that's, that's awake. But it's not babbling and chattering, it's not um, lurching, it's not stumbling, it's just, uh, just serenely, if you like, one finger on the steering wheel, mm. <laughs> rather than, you know, grabbing hold of the steering wheel and wrenching it this way and that way. Um, this is called the 
uh, vajji sankara or the the um, speech vajji speech and sankara is a patterning it's a difficult word to translate it means something like the energies that pattern that formulate speech a particular series of of energies and activities come, kick into play and we, we think, we speak. So this particular faculty. The other is the, the other two, there's the sense of being in the body, obviously breathing in and out is a bodily process. So with this the Buddha is saying one first of all is able to discern the breathing sensations in the body, you know, be with them and feel their full length, their full flows, one opens up to the fullness of an in-breath and the fullness of an out-breath and being with the full sensed flow of that and through that becomes sensitively aware of the entirety of the the body from the inside out if you like so rather than the visual appearance of the body we're aware of the body feeling from the inside all the tingles and pulses and flows and warps and so that the the sense of the the breathing permeates that this is important to recognize that we're not purely contemplating the movement of air through the through the respiratory tract but the energetic experience of breathing as when you breathe in you get a certain lifting and flushing quality you know just like when we decide we're going to do something and we take a deep breath you know it's because you get energized through that and then you're finished let's have a breather you breathe out that means everything kind of relaxes and so there's an energetic experience there that, that suffuses the entire body internally so we probably only recognize this in extremists that is when you you really do take a deep breath in or a deep breath out that's when you notice it more fully but actually with mindfulness of breathing you're noticing that as it's continually happening in a more subtle way so the whole body and because of this um, the body becomes relaxed and attuned the raggedness, the tightness the numbness the um, uh, flurries of the bodily energy are soothed so then because of this you feel Oh, I feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then, because of that, one then focuses more on the emotive aspects called the heart faculty. So the body faculty is called kaya sankara, which means that, that very patterning of experience that tells you you've got a body. That's a long way of putting it. But in other words, when you close your eyes, how do you know you've got a body? Yeah. That is the all that continual repeated um, series of experiences that you call your body. This is Kaya Sankara, it's a dynamic thing, dynamic pattern that's continually pulsing, shifting. And it can feel very contracted and tight, and it can feel flurried, and it can feel numb, and it can have big holes in it. You can have black, black holes in your energy body where you just don't feel anything at all. Or you feel you're sinking or you feel you're tightened up. So a big part of the process of meditation is to allay, soothe, fulfill, complete the body, the the body energy. 
And this um, is associated with joy and ease. There's an emotive effect to that. So that uh, when, uh, when the mind begins to uh, set, uh, settle into samadhi, it's said that the entire body is suffused, drenched, and steeped in joy and ease. Every part of the body is steeped, drenched, and saturated with joy and ease. Mm. Piti sukha. So, um, yeah, so there's this. This naturally has an emotive effect. We feel we feel happy. We feel happy in a non-excited way. Mm. We don't feel happy because of uh, a particular external event. We just feel happy and and easeful in a within our own breathing body. So there's this. This is the emotive effect of citta sankara. This, of course, is very uh, important because if we don't feel happy and easeful in our hearts, then, then you know, <laughs> then there's the anxiety. Then there's the uh, regret. Then there's the worry. Then there's the sadness. Then there's the blaming, criticizing, blaming oneself, and so forth, so that everything just gets really uh, screwed up and unpleasant. So it's, you know, there's a process there, you know, the thinking mind, or thoughtfulness, uh, the ability to reflect and be attuned in that sense, a bodily process, uh, to ease, steady, fulfill body and an emotive process and as these come together one begins to feel more and more settled and comfortable as things cool down uh, and the the experiences get subtler subtler and one comes to deeper stillness chitta mind is is more like just a pure awareness rather than Awareness associated with sensations or moods. This is the map, and uh, it's, it's, if you like, it's, it's also um, something that one shouldn't see as you get to this stage and you get to that stage and you get there and you get this and you get onto that, but more uh, something to refer to. Because this is the way it happens if things un- unfold. It happens in this way. You know? um, the, the, the thinking mind, the body and the heart are, have come together. And there may be, you know, it's important to recognize that the, 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 the trinity of that, you know, three qualities of that, so you, no matter how good your ideas, your intentions are, you know, that if you don't get into your body, it doesn't doesn't work. Mm. No matter how deep one's understanding is, it doesn't work until you get into your body. Now, it's not for me to tell anybody else where they're at, but... Um, <laughs> Having been around for a while and knowing where where I, I'm at uh, and the kind of um, 
culture, society that I live in, it's an extremely literate society. Remember, the Buddha probably didn't read or write, not literate. Um, it's a place where words are everywhere. You think a lot. You are trained to think a lot. Um, there's a lot of information to process through the thinking. So the thought faculty for most of us is, is hugely uh, amplified and uh, a great deal of emphasis is made upon it. The amount of information that one processes in the, through the thinking in one day is probably as much as uh, some of the time the Buddha did in their whole lifetime. <laughs> you know, there's not much to think about in, in, uh, in ancient India. You really have to, and there's also a driven quality to it, like get this right, you know, and get it right quick. You know? And if you're the quicker and the writer, the better you are. You know, so there's a huge, huge emphasis on the thinking. So most of us find our, our thought energies are highly intensified, and also um, structured around uh, success. And, and fear, you know, fear of not getting it right, embarrassment about not being as smart, um, so on. So you, there's, a, there's a kind of an emotional stressing into, around the thinking. So this needs to be soothed and uh, eased, slowed down, relaxed. <laughs> Perhaps one of the obvious ways we do that is we develop a little more heart, more, more kind sense of kindness, tolerance, compassion, and we develop a sense of refuge. You know, you're in something that's actually saying, you know, you're all right, you're welcome, you don't have to be that good, uh, <laughs> or bright, or quick, you know. You're welcome, and just really developing that sense. Yeah, uh, when you sit, you don't have to be that smart, bright, quick, on the ball, and so on. So, a sense of one develops a little more heartfulness, heartful response. This is particularly important when we are in a situation with other people, uh, because if other people are saying something or doing something or not, just the very Sometimes the very sight of other people throws us up into the make sure you're all right, okay, looking as good, on you know, at least as good as the next person. It kind of happens instinctively. You get some sense of, of a, a, a resonance just by being with other people. So we try to encourage the sense of every, other people here are here to help <laughs> and support just by being present and still and at ease and so on. But sometimes it's very difficult even for the, the emotional body to settle until we feel physically um, settled. There can be an underlying, don't know why, but don't feel quite okay. And you should get something going or make something because we haven't actually settled into where we are.
body then becomes extremely uh, significant until you know where you are it's difficult to really know how to find your balance feel, feel assurance feel confident feel a quiet inner strength till you know where you are and you feel comfortable and settled and assured in that this is the bodily reference it's not a matter of external you know, shape or form or strength but internal presence, bodily presence body presence tells us where we are heart presence tells us how we are and the thinking presence tells us what we're going to do about it yeah Now, of all those, actually, the basis has to be, well, where we are. You know? And then, well, now I'm here, I can start to feel out how I am with that. You know? If you don't have that, that or to the extent to which that gets limited or lost from time to time, or even attenuated as a chronic uh, condition, we don't really know where we are, so we have to find out where we are in terms of either our thoughts, so we get very rigid or, or dense with our thoughts because it gives us something to stand on. You know, I am this thinking thing. This is where I am. And it feels so we have to, you get um, thoughtful, dogmatic because it gives one some ground to stand upon. So letting go of thoughts can be extremely difficult because it's, it's been our home base. It's been where we are and even who we are. So even though one may recognize that we need to calm down and loosen up, it doesn't quite happen because every time you loosen up, something kicks in again and you find yourself thinking about something. What am I thinking about that for? Just, just slow down and relax and then... <laughs> Why am I thinking about that? It's like there's a certain kind of vertigo. You know, your thoughts calm down and then it's, something kicks in to get it going again, even when there's nothing to think about. Say worry, restlessness. Um, or we start regurgitating the past, fantasies, memories, uh, craving, desires, fears, uncertainties. Why is there so much going on? Because it provides a kind of ground of being, a place, an environment where we're used to and we can kind of operate in that. Of course, it's a very unrestless ground of being um, for meditation. So, you know, one of the challenges that we begin to experience in meditation is can we just sit, you know, and Certainly when one begins meditation, just sitting still for, for 15 minutes without doing something, talking to somebody, scratching, moving around, watering the plants, redesigning the house, uh, is, it can be quite a challenge. Because you, know, you feel quite comfortable, this is something to do. So the what to do bit becomes central. 
And I guess this is, you know, not just a personal thing, but a big part of our social conditioning, isn't it? You know, what life is something we do. We, we do it. We live our lives. We're not alive. We live them. Which means, you know, get a job, get a degree, get a this, do that, be one of these, be a plumber, be a dentist, be a yada, and so on. And, you know, you are, you are what you do. And uh, if you do it well, you're a good being. And if you don't do it well, well, you didn't quite make it this time. So what we do becomes the, the ground of being, who we are, who we sense ourselves to be. So there's a tremendous uh, bias towards the doing bit. And doing bit is associated with our thinking mind. So when we come into meditation, and um, okay, well, let's do some meditation. How do you do not thinking? I'll do this and I'll do that. That'll stop me thinking. I'll do this and I'll do that. But actually, we, even though we're trying to make it stop, we're using the same faculty. And what happens is a kind of tension builds up because the doing bit tries to do undoing. And naturally, it, it can't do that. only thing it can do is suppress. So we don't exactly undo, we just jam. <laughs> There's a certain kind of locked sense. We go, ah, this must be samadhi. <laughs> <laughs> Because these are not, do, you know, because it sort of just feels kind of solid and jammed, but it's actually the, a jammed, suppressed state rather than a state of ease and joy. And I must emphasize that, you know, samadhi requires several factors, but the, the pivotal factors are um, piti and sukha, ease, or joy or uplift, and ease. And this is, I think, a very telltale two indicators that are very significant. Because if we're we're not finding those, then we may be in some kind of concentrated state, it's true, but it isn't what the Buddha meant by samadhi. So, for example, doing a crossword puzzle, you can probably get fairly concentrated. But whether you're actually in a state of ease and joy um, is unlikely. So if what we're doing, if that doing faculty, which is the verbalizing faculty, is over-energized, we don't enter into samadhi. But it isn't exactly about non-doing, but it's a kind of real quietening down of that. Mm. That becomes possible when there's somewhere else to go when there's something else that you can rest in. So the natural place for the sense of where we are is our body. It's not our thinking. Just being a body.
Another aspect of our conditioning is that we may very well assume that the body is what we see. So, you know, we can be, in fact, highly attuned to the body, the, the, the uh, tone of the body, the physique, um, you know, hair, shape of the eyes, you know, weight, shape, and so forth. You know, you know or you do sports and so forth. So maybe one into the into the visual aspects of it. You know, I think that's a body. But that's actually a visual experience, isn't it? So when we sit and meditate, and maybe, you know, you close your eyes, you lose that visual aspect. So we're difficult perhaps to be in the body. So we start to recognize the need to develop a lot more awareness, receptivity to body sensation. First of all, we're sitting still that perhaps is not the normal um, input of sensation we might have if we're running or jogging or handling things. The sensation level itself is also quite um, subtle. I mean, pain in the knees maybe, but uh, but in meditation we're being asked to attune to just the, the simple sensations that tell you about stillness and presence. And then beyond that, the flow of energy that becomes more apparent when you're still, and particularly when you associate your body with the breathing experience. Now that quality of energy only becomes apparent when you relax. If, if you're tightened up, the tightening is, has got a constricting effect. You know, so, so in a way that the vitality, the flow, the dynamic of bodily energy becomes constricted because one is tense. And uh, most of us carry a, a degree of residual tension around particularly in the shoulders, the upper body, um, the face. So when you try to feel your body, you don't perhaps feel very much at all. The, the constriction blocks the feeling. Feeling is an energetic experience. Feeling is an energetic experience. It means that uh, had we feel something, we feel a certain shift or change. That's why it's energetic. You're in some state and there's a shift in the movement. You know? The movement can be towards pleasure, certain lifting or brightening that we find pleasing, or it can be towards pain. But essentially feeling is a, is a dynamic experience. Something shifts, something changes. Mm-hmm. Now, if everything is locked up, then you don't feel, or it limits your feeling. You feel something if you're walking to a wall, maybe, but you don't feel very much when you're sitting still, because the channels of, of energy are, are restricted. So, it, you know, in order to um, enhance meditation, make it more comfortable, we have to unblock, deconstruct the energy of the body, and then you're not struggling 
against uh, spacing out or dizziness or compulsive thinking because you, you can feel something, you can be with something. If you can't, if you don't feel your body, then one is either, you know, you have one has two kind of uh, possibilities. One is that you, one goes up into one's head and you're thinking, one thinks a lot, or you go into moods and emotions, one f- feels stirred on that level. Can be, and most of it will be um, residues. You know, you know, because there's nothing much happening right now. So when you go into to the heart, what do you come up with? You come up to what was happening. What was happening that is still there. Yeah? And some of it may very well be joyful and nostalgic and that was wonderful, wasn't it? But quite a lot of residues about the stuff I haven't been able to, to digest yet. You know, The stuff that's uh, nagging me. It will be the feeling of inadequacy or the regret or the anxieties, things that have kind of stuck in my throat, if you like. I've been able to finish them. So we can go to that place with that, those possibilities, or we tend to go into the thinking mind with its planning the future, remembering the past, because there's nothing much to think about right now. So the present, the future, past, ought to, should, could be, might, and probably won't, um, states <laughs> and how do I stop doing this so the thinking mind when there's nothing much going on in the present can only move into the future or the past the future is the expectant or the um, dreaded you know those are strong words but you know take them water them down but one expects one, or one fears or worries or the past when one either senses, oh, that was so nice, wasn't it? We can go back to that, nostalgia, regret, or the thoughts of things that we should have done better, could have done better. So obviously the, the thinking and the emotions stir each other up. Um, so this may very well be one's experience of mindfulness of breathing. <laughs> Maybe just get going to these places. And these places are you know, the thinking mind and the heart are the places where there are residues. That's not the only story, of course. You know, we do have our well-wishing, our joyfulness, our clarity, but also this is where we have the residues of um, stress, suffering, unresolved material. Uh, The unawakened heart has its residual patterning as well, apart from particular topics, you know, about events that have happened, there is also a fundamental patterning, which is called the latent tendencies, which means there's a fundamental patterning to become something, to have something, to be something. There's a fundamental patterning to identify, to, to form a person. There's a fundamental patterning which is associated with, um, you know, Sense desire, you know, have something to touch, taste, hear, see. You know, so this, these forms also manifest and take particular topics. So obviously, the heart has to be. We have to enter this, and the thinking. We have to enter this, and yet, if we don't have 
a safe place to enter it from, what can be the case is that we in fact just go back into our stuff and churn it around a little more, a little more, a little more, uh, and this is who I am, you know, because here I am again. You know, I was here last retreat, I was here the retreat before that, I'm in this place again, and probably the next retreat I'll be there, this is who I am. Wow, my stuff, there's a lot of it, own lifetimes maybe, probably last lifetime, next lifetime, you know, oof, a lot of karma here, you know. And one can enter a kind of bemused tolerance about it all, um, perhaps even, you know, we might attain to nonchalance if we can't realize awakening. But there's better. <laughs> we don't have to be that. Uh, and if, so the sense of being able to go into the body is not to avoid this, these topics, but to find a place where we can actually discharge them. You know, just empty them out. Empty them out into your breath. Empty them out into your belly. Empty them out into the, into the ground. Empty them out into the space. So, oh. You, know, you unload rather than just regurgitate this material. So in meditation, we sometimes you know you feel sometimes the heart welling up, and then the basis of it is in process of mindfulness is you feel it in your body. You know the rushing up into the upper chest, the tingling in the arms, the sinking in the belly, and breathing in, breathing out. Find out where you are, and from where you are, you can handle how you are and what you should do about it. See, what you should do about it is is pretty minimal, really. The process takes care of itself. This is why meditation is um, based upon ease. The process does take care of itself if you f- find the place to do it from. Takes time, but you can you can begin to experience the results of that. When afflictions arise, when stress and suffering or afflictions arise, then um, whatever their quality, and these are well chronicled, you know, in, this, in the Buddha's teachings, it gets a little bit depressing. Because <laughs> there's a whole very clearly delineated, you know, battalions of this stuff marching in. Uh, restlessness and... Uh, Craving, greed, um, doubt, worry. Mm. Some of it you don't often necessarily recognize immediately because uh, worry um, masks itself as responsibility. So you, you know, doubt masks itself as the, uh, the need to plan and get things straight. 
<laughs> so you can have these, uh, uh, you find yourself structuring out the next 10 days. <laughs> I think, that, think that's fine, you know. Well, where was, the, what happened to trust, you know? <laughs> uh, and the, the, so the hindrances sometimes are like, they're like HIV, HIV, whereby, you know, the hindrance disguises itself as one of your allies. Because obviously nobody's going to say, give me some worry, but they generally come and say, well, there's a little thing you need to think about right now, just, just be careful and responsible, just figure this out. Oh, thanks for telling me that. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> Good, good job you reminded me, so I'll spend the next half an hour and then I'll do it. <laughs> so the mind is capable of incredible, thinking mind is incredible self-deception. But if you go into your body, you think, feeling a little bit edgy now. What's happening? You know, perhaps we've even lost our body. You're only aware of a kind of buzzing zone between the ears and around the eyes. What happened to my belly? Where's my hands? And you feel these kind of clammy claws down there somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. This, is this good? You know. So, oh, something's something's lost here. There's a loss of presence, a loss of being, a loss of where we are. And you know, it doesn't seem like we lost where we are because we 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 haven't exactly lost it. We just moved it. Where we are is the future. Where we are is the plan. Where we are is the thought. And we, we're used to being there. Saying, oh, fine. It's a little old me again. You know? um, but say, where you are is your body. So whenever that, there's a loss of that, what's happening? And why, you know, why do you have to leave home in order to, to deal with life? When you're, when you're on retreat, anyway. Particularly big question. Now the loss of, loss of presence, loss of, of a place to be, is associated with uh, two, two primary forms of patterning. One is a sense of um, a collapse, if you like a sense of whirling, spacious, whirling around um, like a tumbleweed. No roots. Uh, And the corresponding emotional states could be anything from anxiety, grief, despair, um, you know, of that nature. You know, anxiously looking for something fiddling, loss of being, in that sense. The other one is, is a hardening, where you get rigid. So you, you've lost, one has lost the whole sense of ample presence and we retracted to a, a small crag uh, somewhere, which is, which is, you know, which is, comes dogmatic. This is mine, this is me, this is where I am. Where I got, where I'm gonna, you know, you, you develop kind of fortress mentality. This thing happens, and these may not happen for long periods. There may be sudden flushes of that, or rushes of that, where you suddenly feel yourself very hard, or, or needing to protect, or hold on to something. So you harden up. One hardens up. You know, it came around my zafu, or my spoon, 
you know, my place in the queue or something. You know, it's a, it's a search for territory. But instead of finding territory, you know, in our, in our embodiment, we find territory, either physical territory outside, you know, our place, our guarded place, or we find territory in terms of a, an attitude or an idea or an ideology, you know, I'm not going to let go of this one. So you get hardening. Uh, okay. Of course, with any of this stuff, it's totally believable. Because, the, you know, the belief system created it. Yeah. So naturally it's believable because it's created by the system that generates beliefs. So you've got all kinds of reasons why he is and she isn't and I've got to and they won't and so forth. So rather than even mess with that, the thing is just how does it feel in your body? How, do you, how does your jaw feel? So the hardening, you know, just to check that out, the eyes, the jaw, the neck, the shoulders, the hands, the belly, breathing out. And breathing in. Feeling the, the loveliness of something that flows and moves. And you feel this, you don't need to be hard. You know. It can be with something that's alive and warm and supple. It's there for you. You're always here. You've got it. You don't need to anchor. You know. You've got it. And the other sense is the, the, the lost, when we feel a sense of you know, sinking or out of it, spaced out state. Kind of restless, uh, ghostly sometimes, states that can occur. It means we need some contact. There's a loss of being, which means you know, it needs something to contact. And again, where's your body? Where's the, if you can't find it in your breathing, standing, soles of the feet, palms of the hands, the obvious places, and building, building up the body. It means don't mess with the state. Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Don't feel lost in it. Don't feel weird in it. These are completely normal experiences that I have, you know, have had. And there's a lot less of them, <laughs> thanks to meditation. And they're not necessarily something that's so overwhelmingly traumatic. They can be just, you know, you're getting used to it. That's kind of spacey, buzzy state where I'm fine, <laughs> whirling along, or this kind of locked state of sorting things out and you're on your own, mate, and head into the wind kind of feeling. <laughs> I think that's life, isn't it? Life is a battleground, yeah, that's right. Um, and it's not that anybody's particularly weird, you know, because these are often the, the, the messages that the system learns from uh, cultures and societies which are not embodied. They're not about following a rhythm and feeling your own space and finding a time. They're about losing your space, you know. Don't just sit there, do something. You know, lose your presence and believe in this instead. 
So you, you see how, how kind of much loss there is in a manageable way in our, in our world and in a way our, our social world is set up to feel comfortable with loss because we, we transfer our sense of being onto property yeah? we transfer our sense of uh, dynamic onto you know, ac- entertainments, activities doing stuff, moving around we, so you feel okay because it, you, you've got your whole what should have been internal has now been put out there I was at a a nature sanctuary just before I came to America and uh, went to this little uh, wildlife sanctuary sitting in a a hide with some people looking at at the birds and the deer and how they don't do very much deer just sitting there 45 minutes of deer didn't do anything just sat there After about 45, one of them got up and kind of munched a bit of grass. Wandered around a bit, sat down again. Ducks, you know, just kind of sat in the pond, went whack, whack. Bit of, bit of weed, you know. Thought, wow, you know. It's amazing, these creatures are a lot more peaceful than I am, you know, and I've been... Because I've got to get somewhere, I'd better get back because I might be late. And if I'm late, there'll be people blame me. And I must get on with this. And it reminds me that I didn't do that on time. There's an, I wonder what so and so is thinking right now. I remember to send the, you know, wow, wow, what's all that, you know? <laughs> and I've been here 10 minutes already, so let's get on to the next thing, you know? And just just you know, feel the body, just this kind of residual charge of it all. And then just coming into. Sitting, breathing in, breathing out, and, and, and discharging it, finding it in the body as a place to discharge this bunched up feeling. But when one looks around without, you know, making being judgmental, you see how many, you know, shopping, for example, is a major pastime of people in Britain. You know, more people visit IKEA than go to church. Because there you get the, you know, the, the things that people find themselves comforted by is the excitement of the new, the new, you know, that gives you a, that gives you a, so how you are becomes dependent upon something glittery or new, you know? and I feel a bit more fresh and new because I've got something new, you know? something bright and different and new, I, so I feel a bit lifted up, you know. And so, you know, so what's happening there? Why, why is it that it's so stale and stagnant in here? I only get lifted up through something out, out there, some new bit of furniture, chair, you know, along with the rest of it. You know? And there's this kind of buzziness. The buzziness becomes the, the norm. People chit-chat. And uh, I don't know how it's in the States now, but actually... Now most people talk to these little mobile phones. They don't talk to each other. Sit on a, sit on a subway train or a bus and people are 
nattering away into these little pieces of plastic. And there's other human beings where I don't talk to them. Because <laughs> that's a bit too much here, you know. <laughs> and it, it feels uncomfortable. So you talk to them, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'll be home about ten minutes. Wow. What happened before we had mobile phones? How did we manage to survive without continual telling each other where we are and we're okay? And, you know. <laughs> Is it that bad out there? So this loss of, loss of where we are means we've got to keep being told where we are and other people telling us where we are, provided they're not actually present with us. You know? So we can only eventually be in the lost state is the only place left to be. <laughs> you know, where we feel comfortable in the sense of being lost. You know? That is, well, don't look at me, don't touch me, don't talk to me. But well, I'll talk to this piece of plastic instead. You know, a remote disembodied voice is okay, but don't give one of those 3D things. <laughs> and yet all the time, the songs say, I need to know where I am. You know? So somebody else tell me, something else show me I'm okay. Something else tell me that I'm new and bright and interesting. Um, some experience make me feel a little more alive and bright and new and interesting. You know, so I'll have one of those and I'll get one of those and I'll see one of those, and it's all out there. I mean, well, where did it all go? You know? So then the idea of you know in renunciation. Jeez, woof, you know. <laughs> Cut it all off. Think, oh no, because it's like the uh, you know you're out in the freezing hell realms of of no nothing to contact, and uh, the the system can go into a kind of mild panic when the absence of contact. Yeah. It's no joking matter. You know the system can feel very uneasy you know, when there's not enough contact. So, you know. It's a simple thing, isn't it? Like, you know, how when we feel that just somebody talks to us in a reassuring way, somebody touches you, somebody puts their hand on your shoulder, oh yeah, oh here I am. I'm here again. You know, I was out, I'm here again. And these are things that we, we do by, by instinct. You know, if somebody feels a bit lost, you, you look at them, you talk to them, and you, okay, you know. And that really helps because it's quite simple, really actually. And you don't have to do, you know, a number on the mind states or the emotions or why you should and why you want a mess you're in or whatever, just come back. (laughs) Because when when one is out, then, you know, the mind does generate a huge amount of things of fear and guilt, worry, need, that gets dazzling, but essentially it's just to come back, discharge, breathe it out, breathe it in. And in a retreat situation, you know, we are encouraged to find our contact 
each of us individually. You know? So is it sitting, breathing, the eyes open if necessary or suitable, here I am. And then taking that sense of inner strength, uh, feeling comforted by that. The body embodiment, embodiment provides you with the uh, quality of inner inner strength, and it's not muscular. It's a sense of unshakable. You know, whatever the emotion is, you're not intimidated by it. You can stand your ground, you can breathe in, you can breathe out. You've got a place where that can be discharged, where you can feel your belly relax. You can feel the energy come down again from your head or spread out from the heart. And you're no longer intimidated by the the nagging inner tyrants, the, the fears and worries of the mind. Now, with the loss of being, is accompanied by a, 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 these contractions. That is, one either contracts into a kind of hardness, or one contracts into a, um, you know, a sense of loss, as a collapse. So, in terms of finding or re- returning to one's ground, the process very useful thing to, to, to um, exercise and come to terms with is, is actually expanding awareness. Because the, the hindrances have a mesmerizing effect, they suck in, you get pulled in there, and uh, you get tunneled down into them. So expanding awareness is your whole body, the whole breath, the fullness these, these are suggestions. And it, you have to train in that because the instinct for when you lose ground is to, is to contract a bit more. When you feel threatened, you tighten up a bit more. You get smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, actually, what one needs to do is get bigger and bigger and bigger. So that this contracting can seem like a defense but actually it means you, you, you lose your balance. So, when you, so the, whenever there's a sense of loss of being, try to actually get a bit larger, come to perhaps the fullness of the breath, breathing all the way out, all the way in, the fullness of your body, your chest, your chest cavity is open, even the fullness of the, of the whole body sitting or standing in space. You know, so you come out to the skin and you, you enlarge the perceptual field. Okay, so that may be you know, either you know, just the tactile sense, you come to the very periphery of your body. You have that sense, hold that. Or it could be auditory, that is, you, you listen to all the silences and the, you open up your auditory field. Or it can be visual, whereby you're aware visually of a, a very wide field of vision. All those have the effect of, of widening um, the, the base of mind, the base of, of, of awareness. And then 
that means it's rather like now you, instead of standing on one leg, you're standing on three or four. You've got a much broader base to stand on. Then, then oh, you come back. Whereas the tendency, the hindrance or an affliction is it tightens and mesmerizes, pulls you in, and then you, you start getting into the details of it. Your mind funnels into that and tightens up a bit more, intensifies. So, this morning let's do a little standing meditation. And uh, so the simple themes of this will be to, to uh, feel present, whole body present through the soles of the feet up to the crown of the head. And to um, you know, just check one's energy if you feel very bunched up in your upper body. It's an ability, developing that ability to... to have a more complete um, bodily sense rather than just the upper body. So we'll have about 15 minutes of this. So the principle in standing meditation is to, believe it or not, stand with one's feet. So the legs coming straight down from the hips, rather than splayed, so you, you know, in fact, you know, getting the width of your body, your feet occupy the width of, this, of your trunk your shoulders, your hips. So everything is above that, above the two feet. Feeling out whether the, your tendency is to be forward on your toes or back on your heels or whether you feel about balanced in your feet. And then beginning to give the weight of the body over to the feet means taking out the other places where we tend to hold ourselves, first of all, the knees, so you relax the knees, let a little more weight come down into the feet, let the knees be springy, not carrying weight. Secondly, you relax the buttocks, the pelvic region, the abdomen, where often we we are slightly tense or gripped, so dropping your tail, 
And the image useful may be that if you, if you had a tail, just imagine your, your spine came down into a tail, you'd have it tucked down between your legs. So loosening and dropping the tail, relaxing these uh, buttock muscles, these big muscles in the back of the legs. You may find yourself just sinking another half inch or so. And just check that the front of your body, your abdomen, remains loose. You don't throw the weight into the, into the belly. So breathing out, letting the belly be soft. Now if this is, uh, makes you feel slightly dizzy, and it may do, because you may, one's body may have got used to being held with these places, so you begin to let go of them, you can feel some vertigo. Please keep your eyes open. Yeah. I don't like to see people keeling over. It upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> Lost 60 disciples in my last retreat. <laughs> And keep breathing deeply, feeling the fullness of the breath, maybe taking a bit more breath to counteract any any sense of dizziness may occur. Next place we hold ourselves is in the shoulders and the chest. So let your arms come just a fraction away from your body, as if you had eggs, blackbirds' eggs in your armpits, so you don't want to squash them. And let the arms feel loose, as if they're like the arms of a puppet, string puppet. So we're not unconsciously holding ourselves around the chest. And then letting the shoulder blades come down the back. If you're Head is coming up through something, coming up through a blanket. Actually, neck is lengthening, shoulders are dropping. Breathing in deeply, breathing out. So relaxing the way we hold ourselves through the upper body. And the other place we hold ourselves upright is through the head. We can actually carry ourselves in our heads. So relax the jaw, let the tongue rest in the bottom of the mouth. Feel what happens in your temples, in your cheeks when you relax your jaw. And soften around the eyes. Again, if your eyes are open, You get, it can be beneficial, you develop a wide, a wide gaze. And then around the forehead. So softening from the centre of the forehead. Across the brows, around the sides of the head. 
Now with this, uh, you're releasing things. Feel unsteady. To really bring your attention down into your feet. As if your feet are developing roots. They're going to the ground. And sensing up from the feet, an uprightness that runs through the body internally, a spinal core, letting the muscles relax around that spinal core, breathing in and breathing out, feeling the body expand, distend and subside with the breathing. yourself feel as big as you need to feel. Explore that, how you sense whether you feel uh, free or held in. using the breath as a way to ventilate any tensions or uncertain or shaking or unsteadiness the calm and full quality of breathing in breathing out Of course, if you feel when you're standing that you're having to really hang on there, tighten up, then it's time to take a break and sit down. So don't make it a kind of endurance test.
So any time in the next few minutes, uh, when you feel comfortable about it, take up a sitting position. This talk was given by Ajahn Susito at Insight Meditation Society on April 23, 2005. It is an offering of the Dharma Seed 